Hi, and welcome to the Cedars Podcast. This is our first edition. Joined here today by uh, two of my students, Naomi Harward, who is a senior journalism major, about to graduate, finishes up in December. And next to her is Callahan Jones, who is our uh, a junior journalism major. They both work for Cedars. Uh, Naomi is our photography editor. Callahan is our uh, design director for print, and he handles our online site and keeps that running smoothly, gets things posted there, makes it look good, and all those kinds of things. So my name is Jeff Gilbert. I'm the faculty advisor for Cedars, also a journalism professor here at Cedarville. Um, today we want to talk about uh, a story I came across, it was posted on a Politico website, and the headline was, Young Subscribers Flock to Old Media. So what do we talk about? Do we talk about old media or new media more in our journalism pro program? New media. New media, right? Mm -hmm. So new media being something like we're doing right now, a podcast, uh, our online site, and so forth. So the premise of the story is that between 2016 and 2017, um, Americans aged 18 to 24 are paying for on, who pay for online news. That percentage went from 4% to 18%, according to a study that, um, uh, that, that they handled, Politico did, and they're reporting on. So I find that interesting. Um, in a year's time, people your age, 18 to 24, are paying for online news at a much increased rate. 4% of you. Uh, a year ago, now it's 18%. It's mm -hmm. still a relatively small number in terms of the whole universe of people, obviously, but it, it is good news for the news industry who's been trying to figure out how do we monetize online? How do we make money doing this? So I brought you two guys here because I wanted you to share what you, you each have an online news subscription. Um, of Each of you have one, right? Uh, I have two. You have a couple? Yeah. Okay, so we'll start with Naomi first. Tell us what yours is. Why you choose to do that? What you know? How much time you spend with it? And if you don't mind sharing, you know what it costs you. Just curious about that because that's part of it. A part of the the discussion is what are people willing to pay? So go ahead. So my subscription actually only costs ninety nine cents a month. Oh, um, wow. It is to CBS's sixty minutes, which I'm sure everybody knows about by this point. Yes. Um, I actually subscribe to it solely to watch one video. Um, <laughs> I want to say it was last year I was researching the Ohio heroin epidemic and I found a video that had a lot of information about it, but you could only watch it if you were subscribed to 60 Minutes. So I paid for the subscription just to see that video. Um, and I just really, uh, I started watching like more of the videos and I just really like the way that they tell their stories. Okay. All right. So what's the most, what's a recent one you recall that you watched? Do you, in, any? thing that struck you as a good story that they did? Well, I just watched one about Hamilton the musical. Um, mm -hmm. I came across it. It was kind of an in-depth um, story as to Lynn, Mar Lynn Miranda. Yeah. Lin Lin the Lin direct. Well. Yeah, that Lin guy. Lynn Manuel Miranda. <laughs> that guy. Okay. Miranda's, that guy. Um, <laughs> Miranda's um, inspiration for writing the story and just the journey that he took um, doing the production. And so they offer 60 Minutes, you can watch it as a TV show on Sunday mm -hmm. night, right? Yep. You can, I'm sure on the CBS app you can watch it um, probably for free for a while. And then I know how those TV apps, TV network apps work, right? It's, it's eventually you got to pay something to watch more or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what do they, I know that they do, more, they offer you more, right, than just what's on television. So tell us about that. 
don't don't they don't they offer you more more clips or um, more parts I think, of the show that yeah, they, maybe think, some unaired portions of the interview yeah i think they give you um yeah access to content that they don't normally air on the shows or offer for free they think that's the basic and that's part of you, the you plus get, to having a subscription is having access to content that they don't air okay. so the the point then is they're saying hey if you're a subscriber you get more value than if you're not um trying to say hey this is something good that you might want to pay for and you had to do it for probably for something for me for class, right? Yep. A, a story yep. you were doing for, for class your last year. Class. And she, so to get this information, she says, okay, I'll pay this a little bit, but you found it interesting, you stuck with it, and it's 99 cents a month, not yeah, even not for poor college students, <laughs> right? It's not, it's not terribly expensive. So don't break the bank. Doesn't break, okay, great, <laughs> yeah, doesn't. Mm -hmm. So Callahan, so what is, what do you do, and just explain that to us. Um, well, I have one subscription, and then I actually willingly give toward another one. Um, I have a Wall Street Journal print and digital subscription daily, so I give them $5 a month, and I get the print issue every day. comes to the post office here on campus, and then on their app or online, I have full digital access to all their stuff that's in the print issue and a lot more. Um, Wall Street Journal is one of the few papers that now is basically limiting all of their digital content to like subscribers only. Um, but I do subscribe because number one, it's pretty cheap. Uh, number two, it's pretty great news. You know, they do stuff really well. They do stuff pretty, uh, they do stuff, they treat everyone pretty equally. You know, they're not really, they're, the, the editor, the editorial pages are definitely a bit conservative leaning, but as far as their actual political news goes and a lot of their business news and stuff, they're pretty, they're pretty negative. Uh, they're not really leaning too far to the left or the right, which is really something I enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also give $5 a month to The Daily, which is uh, the New York Times daily kind of news podcast that runs anywhere between like 13 to 20 minutes. Every day they put out a new episode. Um, sometimes talking about uh, the really big news of the day, like the episode yesterday uh, focused on um, the obviously the Texas shooting that happened on Sunday. Sorry. Yeah, it happened on Sunday, they uh, were focusing on that, but sometimes uh, sometimes they'll focus on political news. Um, sometimes it'll just be like a nice profile piece about someone uh, that someone at the Times dug up and they didn't really have anywhere else to put it. Um, but it's, it's really nice because they just, it's mostly just interviews of people telling what they know about a situation um, rather than the Times kind of just, you know, telling it the way that it is so uh, for example like on Monday when they were talking about the shooting rather than just talking about like what happened they instead talked to two different pastors in the area about how it was affecting their congregation what their congregation was doing to try to help the congregation of those affected um, they talked to um, a local journalist who had covered the area for 20 years um, so it was a really nice different angle on the story than I had really been able to get anywhere else and that's what I enjoy about the daily that's kind of what they focus on. Um, yeah. Do you listen to it daily? I do um, normally uh, uh, the vast majority of the time um, I, I listen to all of my podcasts at 1.7 speed uh, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I listen to them really quickly so uh, sometimes I can most of the time I can get the daily in on my first walk on my way to class or whatever like from my room get it started as I'm walking out and I'll get to class a little early and just finish it up while I'm in there. Or sometimes if I don't get the opportunity to do that, I can just listen to it basically any other time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And Wall Street Journal, uh, you get that 
in the morning. So you yep. do you look at the print thing? Tell, tell yeah, me what you do with a the lot print. of the time, a lot of the times, I'll uh, you know I'll do my best to read like the front page stories because you know the thing about the Wall Street Journal that I'm not the biggest fan of is you know it's the Wall Street Journal. So like about half of it is almost all business news, which doesn't really interest me that much. I'm not a business major. I'm not really well versed on what's going on in Wall Street and it doesn't really interest me that much. But I try to I try to work through as much of the A section, the front page front page material as much as I can. Sometimes over breakfast, sometimes like just after chapel if I have some free time or that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah. the digital subscription, do you use that very much? Um I do use it a decent bit. Um especially to read like breaking news. They'll give me like a notification on my phone if there's some breaking news that they've just put up which obviously wouldn't have been in the print edition that morning and I'll just, you know, read it there. Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot of breaking news apps. AP mm -hmm. has them. Yep, yep. Any kind of news site has you can subscribe and you can you can accept what notifications or mm -hmm. whatever on your phone and you can see that so the Wall Street Journal is one you use that for. Mm -hmm. um, okay interesting so I think um, I just want to go through a couple more of these stats and get a little bit of your reaction to them so in this uh, Politico story they, they talk about um, uh, since November's election last November we're a year from that today mm -hmm. today is election day uh, it's, uh, we're, wow. we're recording this on uh, November the 7th on Election Day. So the New Yorker um, has seen its new millennial subscribers more than double uh, in this, from the same period a year earlier. So they, they report that 106% more new subscribers in the, in the 18 to 34 age range and 129% more from 25 to 34. These are numbers that we haven't seen in the past. And so that's really good news for the news industry because, as I said at the beginning, it's been like, how do we monetize our online? How do we, how do we make that, how do we build revenue there? Make it an actual revenue stream, not just oh, adding a little petty cash is kind of what it's felt like. It's, it's about all it's given us for years. And we're seeing some trends in that area. Uh, when I worked in newspapers in the 2000s, early first half of the, well, from 2000 to 2009, that was a big thing. How do we get online traffic and how do we how do we find how do we reach this demographic 18 to 34 and that was really the demographic we were trying to figure out how to reach and now it just suddenly is beginning to happen so I find found that real interesting. The Atlantic another magazine and both of these are kind of high profile I don't know if elites the right word but mm -hmm. you know uh, things that you would want to read um, so it has a similar story. Since the election, its number of new subscribers from 18 to 24 jumped 130% for print, mm -hmm. um, and 18 to 44 went up 70%. So it's not just them, it's, it's, it's newspapers as well. And you mentioned the Wall Street Journal, which really isn't known as, a, as they say in the story, of being left around college dorm rooms, mm -hmm. uh, doubled its student subscribers in the last year. How long have you had yours? I've had mine for, I picked it up right, I think I started August of last year. Okay, so it's been yeah. about a year, so you're mm -hmm. probably within that year of, of when they did their research here, their surveying of it. Mm -hmm. uh, they say 18 to 24 and 25 to 34, they're not given the actual numbers, mm -hmm. uh, but they say that's, they had, those two age groups have been key drivers for their, for their new subscriptions. Um, and so that, those are interesting things, and also, the Washington Post, New York Times, they don't really share their specific data, but they're saying that their growth rate is highest among millennials. Mm -hmm. So we don't really know their numbers, but they're saying, yes, these trends are, we're seeing them as well, and those are 
obviously in very national type newspapers um, and for their online audience um, reaching among millennials up by 9% from the same period a year ago. Now they, in this story, they refer to this a little bit as the Trump bump. Um, the research touches, from what I read in here, touches a little bit on, you know, Trump uh, being president now has, has encouraged some of this. Mm -hmm. um, and it does feel like there's more talk about things going on. Um, you know, so, and, and people saying, I want to support good journalism. Uh, and, and so that is part of it. Um, because obviously Trump has not had the friendliest um, um, discourse with the press in the past year, as we know. So what do you guys see just being around people your age all the time? Are people kind of more interested in what's going on? What do you think? I'll start with you, Naomi. What do you think? Um, I definitely think that there has been a rise in kids who want to get into the news, kids who want to read the news. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if that was if that did have a strong correlation to President Trump running for president because um, I know a lot of my peers got more into the news when they saw like the sensationalism that surrounded the election mm -hmm. um, and they were just like more into the news trying to find good news resources to find out what was actually right. going on with mm -hmm. that situation. So. Well, so they, they said, said that a, tw uh, a survey said that 29% of Americans responded said they were paying for news because they quote wanted to help support or fund journalism, mm -hmm. which was twice, twice the average for all other countries included in the study. Uh, so I thought that was interesting um, and talking about how they've seen this. And even the guy from The Atlantic is quoting the story said, they've seen a steady growth in millennial engagement over the last four years, but then they saw them surge after mm -hmm. the election. So they're, they're looking at some correlations there. So um, you can't necessarily prove it, but mm -hmm. you just look at the numbers and you, and, and as you say, you see the correlation. Uh, you see similar things, Callahan, and are you surprised by it? Um, I wouldn't say I'm surprised by it. Um, through my own personal experience, I would say uh, kind of what I've observed uh, kind of in a lot of the people around my age kind of match with what The Atlantic said. Like, I know a lot of people my age, um, especially toward the end of Obama's presidency, uh, were just getting more and more involved in different causes, whether it be like, uh, liberal-leaning ones or conservative-leaning ones, and then such a polar polarizing election in between the two least popular presidential candidates in modern history, kind of just I think really rocketed through that uh, through it through the roof. And you know, I think journalism is a really uh, big way that people do uh, support their uh, express their support one way or the other. Okay, because um, you know. You, you can just figure out whatever you want to through journalism and quality journalism. People, I think, then appreciate it because of that, yeah. Okay. So there was a Reuters Institute study also said 84% of Americans still don't pay for online news. So we're not talking about mm -hmm. all of a sudden half of countries paying for online news. We're just talking about huge increases in percentage points, um, but still, we're still at 84%. Subscriptions aren't really all that cheap. I mean, the couple that you mentioned are pretty cheap, but some aren't. Uh, if you're going to have two or three, then it can start to add up. I have, I have one to, I have a couple local ones, the Cox Media, Ohio, for the local newspapers and so forth. I have for Dayton and Springfield, I have one for that. I also have one for the Cincinnati Inquirer, which I don't think is very expensive. I think it started out 99 cents. I think it's gone up a little bit, but mm -hmm. I, it's still not. It's something I'm, I want to have for certain things on occasion. I don't have any of the national ones like you guys have mm -hmm. mentioned and like this story points out. Um, 
So it'll be interesting to see how that happens at that level because one thing that they're concerned about, because they're not cheap, do we become, have an increasingly elite product? Mm -hmm. um, the, the ones that are mentioned in this story, does this sort of become elitist and like just the high end stuff and then everybody who's sort of the community level and metro level in certain cities that aren't, that go, don't go beyond their region, um, do they start to suffer? Nobody, nobody pays their subscription fees because they're paying all the national ones and that's the only thing that people are really paying for. So that time will tell on that. We can't really know that. Um, so, and, and one of the reasons they're talking about this and saying that this is happening as well is that uh, your demographic, your age groups, you guys are getting used to paying online subscriptions. Mm -hmm. Netflix, Hulu, Spotify, right? You all, everybody has at least one of those. Some people mm -hmm. have two or three or, you know, or all of them, right? Three. You have all three, <laughs> right? So you admit that. So does that make sense to you that, hey, I'm, this is kind of becoming a normal behavior pattern? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would say it's kind of just a natural outcropping of what is now becoming more and more normalized consumer behavior. Mm -hmm. Especially, I think I think kind of the biggest one almost is probably Amazon Prime. Like mm -hmm. Amazon Prime is probably one of the most popular consumer products and it's a subscription, you know? Mm -hmm. You pay per year, which is a bit different than a lot of them. But uh, yeah, especially millennials, more and more subscription-based stuff is becoming more popular, uh, like, you know, uh, crate kind of stuff where you get sent stuff in the mail every month. You pay them money and they send you like clothes or nerdy stuff or mm -hmm. vinyls mm -hmm. or that kind of stuff in the mail every month. Those are getting more and more popular. So I'm not surprised that also journalism subscriptions are becoming more and more popular. Okay. Right. I did, when I was doing some grad school work a few years ago, um, we were working on, uh, my project was sort of this targeting the future and it was like the future of sports sections in newspapers. And what's that look like? How do you change it? How do you make it better? How do you keep people engaged? And some of the re one thing in research I came across from it was in the 2009 edition of Journalism Mass Journalism and Mass Communication Quarterly. Uh, a couple of Texas, University of Texas professors they looked at sort of the economics of online news, and what they came up with at the time was that online news, uh, in economic terms, was referred to as an inferior good. And what they saw was that people were paying for it, but as they got older or as their, as their um, income increased, they wouldn't pay for it as much. And I think that has, it correlates with, well, if I've got more money, I'm gonna, I can afford the paper subscription versus the online subscription, right? But things have changed a lot since then. The smartphone revolution has completely changed that, right? Because mm -hmm. we can do this on our phone. And part of this research also pointed out that and what I gleaned from it at the time, and the point I made when I presented my project a few years ago in grad school was that, and I think what's what we're seeing, and it was based on this research, that as this becomes more convenient, as it becomes more mobile, because a newspaper magazine you can take with you anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. You couldn't take your, your um, desktop computer with you anywhere. No. You can't, laptops, change that a little bit, but tablets and cell phones have really made it easy. So you can you can sit anywhere and read news on your phone, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you could be doing it right now while we're doing this podcast if you wanted to. I can do it walking across campus. I can sit anywhere um, and do that, walk, do it, ride in a car with somebody, mm -hmm. ride the, uh, if I'm a commuter, if I'm riding commuter trains or buses, people that do that, they can do that. And so the point, the, what I gleaned from that research was that 
as that happens, people are going to be more and more willing to pay for that. So why do you pay for Spotify? Because you can download it to your phone and listen to that music that you want to anywhere you go. Mm -hmm. If you didn't have the phone and you only could do it at your computer, you wouldn't I, do it. I wouldn't would pay you? for Spotify. No, yeah, you wouldn't do it. So, and there's also this, we tend to, if, if, if we have to pay for something, um, it feels like it has more value, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of just something for free. And so I think that has something to do with it too. If I have to pay for it, something tells me, without me maybe really thinking about it too consciously, that it's worth more. And so I think that that, I think that, that happens. Um, and so, um, you know, we just trust things sometimes. We pay for it, it's free. We love free stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But to pay for it, Seems to seems to add value to it. So, um, so what do you th you think? I mean, going forward, um, new subscriptions are probably a part of a lot of people's lives going forward. Don't you think? As far as on online subscriptions, um, mm -hmm. where do you do, do, do you guys see any? What's the next greatest thing coming out of that? Anything, or do you think it's just going to continue to sort of be kind of like it is and? And, and, and mobile sites are getting better and better and it's easier to read on your phone. You think that'll encourage more? You think those numbers will continue to rise? I guess is kind of what I'm, being around people your age, what do you think? Who wants to go take that one? I'll take it, sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think, I, I personally would say that I think a lot of where the future lies actually depends on how much of the rise is actually dependent on Trump. Um, because if people did get into it because of Trump, um, then like maybe when Trump's not president or when Trump presidency becomes more routine, um, maybe people start to lose interest, maybe they start dropping their subscriptions. Uh, maybe people will find out that they, even if they did get into it with Trump, maybe they do uh, find out that they really do enjoy it. Maybe they start getting their friends on the train, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think, uh, I think if it is uh, due to a Trump bump, uh, it could really go either way. If it's not actually due to a Trump bump and is actually due to more uh, with millennials actually wanting to become more and more involved with the news, I think the natural progression only would for it to be continue going up or at least to go up for a while and then kind of stabilize. And the ease of it too now, as yeah, I exactly, was mentioning, yeah. as far as it's mobile, it's oh, yeah, so the ease easy. Is massive, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, great. Well, thanks to you guys for helping me out with this. and. Talking about this, I think it's an interesting topic. We'll see where it goes in the future. So, um, so uh, thank you for uh, listening to our, our first Cedars podcast, and we look forward to many more.